Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here's your host, DJ Bob. It feels so wonderful to be back. After a couple weeks of no shows, we're back and we're here with a fun one. Thank you to everyone who supported me throughout those times. But we're here and we're ready to have fun with you. So here we go. This episode is a great one. This is with Jason Schwimmer, host of the wonderful podcast, Finding DW. And now Jason was DW Reed on Arthur from season 7 to 10. And his mission with this podcast is to tell his stories and tell the shared story with the seven other voice actors of the character. And he's here to tell us all about his podcast, some nerdy stuff. We kind of geek out in the middle about some pop culture stuff. It's just so fun. And I hope you enjoy this. There's a ton more Arthur content coming in the future. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy. So before we discuss the topic at hand, let's talk about podcasting. I mean, it's what we both do. So I kind of want to talk about how you got started. Absolutely. Um, I think I got start. So really, it goes back to um, I come to you. I go to university in I, I moved cities in about so 2012, let's say is when I moved from Montreal to Toronto. And I met this friend of mine who's a comedy writer here. Well, he's a, how do I say? He's, so he's, a, he's working in the, in the Canadian film and television industry. And he also is a comedy writer and performing comedian and a podcaster as well. And his name is Griffin Toplitsky. Uh, you should look him up, anyone who's listening. He's uh, super talented. Him and another friend, uh, Steve Cook, who's also uh, working in the industry and a comedy writer as well. Um, they have a show called Killed to Death. Um, they are uh, Griffin is really the um, the, the like the podcasting. Uh, he's the, he's like the person who got me into podcasts. Before him, I hadn't really heard about the medium, and uh, you know, I started with like Comedy Bang Bang and um, you know other podcasts on the Nerdist Network, uh, WTF, just you know basic comedy stuff and you know classics or whatever. And then, I, you know, I just really fell in love with the medium and, and I have been ever since. I, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I'm always looking for cool new ones to check out. Um, and then in about 2016, I had my first office job and um, I didn't, you know, I felt like I had some creative space in my brain. I felt like I wanted to take on something else to get going on my own on the side. So I just started a podcast and um, 
I knew I wanted it to be something sustainable that I could do every week where there would be no shortage of guests. And um, so I decided, well, there's always people, you know, coming up with a creative idea and trying to get it off the ground. Um, why don't I do a podcast where I'm interviewing those kinds of creators, artists, performers, that kind of thing. And so I thought of the title Getting There and, uh, you know, it was all about trying to get there. And uh, I did about, I think I released close to 50 episodes. I probably did a little bit more than that and some I didn't release. Um, I think that's sort of, you know, forcing myself to do that. This is before COVID. So I, um, you know, I'd be traveling to to some locations in, in Toronto and, and uh, other parts of Ontario uh, you know, running around with um, a rolling suitcase full of microphone gear. And um, yeah, had some awesome experiences and, um, you know, had to, uh, you know, it was run and gun. Sometimes I wouldn't have a lot of time to think of questions. Other times I would have lots of time to prepare. That's how I sort of learned how to edit um, and edit myself and loved the process, but sort of fell out of love with the topic. So I did that for about a year and then stopped. Um Flash forward to today, um, you know, a few years ago, I thought of the idea for my podcast that I'm doing now, Finding DW, and um, I always thought it would just be a fun, like a fun idea. Wouldn't it be great if me as a former child actor, we can get into that, uh, who played the voice of DW on Arthur, wouldn't it be fun if I went around interviewing the other guys who played DW because it's always been guys and um yeah, then the pandemic happened and I, you know, like a lot of us, I had some extra time on my hands and I decided, you know, now's the time. Let's do it. And so I've just been working really hard at it. And that was a long answer to a short question. But here we are. And that's pretty much how you and I met. The great guy. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I am. Um, I reached out to you pretty soon after you launched. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the craziest part, you know, is that um is that you know cool people like you have found me and you know this this project has only been going for you know this is the third week and um you know like before this by the time they come out there'll probably be a few more but yeah when we're recording this right be. at the time of recording this is the third week and you know my my social media is not you know, like I went from I, like I started everything over, you know, so my social media has like doubled in terms of like the people that are following me and, um, you know, my listenership on the back end that I see is only going up. And it's crazy, you know, th this this process, like I've never received this kind of a response to something that I've ever that I myself have made ever. And I'm I'm just so flattered and I'm having so much fun with it and people are being so nice and like I said, cool people like you are finding me and it's just been a really fun process. I to be honest, it's a little overwhelming. So what do you think make the idea of the pop culture podcast so accessible for listeners? Cause finding a topic like Arthur is so kind of niche in so many respects what do you think make finding the, or listening to the pop culture podcast so accessible i think that you know the idea lended itself well like when i when i would say the idea i think 
for my podcast, it sounded like a podcast, you know? I don't think that it would make a good... I'm not sure if it would make a good, um, you know, TV show, for example. Or a documentary. Yeah. Well, yeah, may, I mean, maybe. I, I, that's the thing. Like, I'm not sure. But I know but I know myself and I know that I wanted to sort of use this as an opportunity to um, to push myself to to show anyone who's listening, you know, what I'm capable of. Um, so so it just it seemed like a good fit for me to do this topic as a podcast. I know that's not what you asked, but that's really the the, the truth of it. Now, I in terms of why it's accessible, I think people are very nostalgic in terms of what kind of content they like to consume and what kind of content they like to share on social media. And I just had a funny feeling, you know, I've been seeing, like, I see all of the Arthur content. Arthur is like a meme factory, you know, like uh, DW memes are shared on TikTok and it's like every social media (laughs) platform that there is, there's inevitably going to be Arthur content shared on there. And I, and you know, when I see it over the years, I've sort of, you know, I've gone through phases in my life where I'm kind of like trying to, you know, I don't talk about the DW thing or I do. And so my relationship to that has changed. But one thing's for certain is that it's it's been difficult or challenging for me to move on from it because I'm always seeing the imagery no matter what, what social media platform I'm on. But I think that speaks to, you know, the nostalgia people feel for properties like Arthur. And coincidentally, there are a lot of podcasts that are about this kind of thing. You know, um, there's a podcast about where uh, two of the former actors from the the show The OC are making a podcast about The OC. And there's a show, there's many podcasts where former actors from The Office are making podcasts about The Office. There's even Nickelodeon is doing one with some of the actors from Avatar The Last Airbender are doing a podcast about that. So I think there's just, it's again, like I just think it speaks to People are just interested in this kind of thing. Like, I think people are interested in the industry and in production. And I hope that, you know, my mission, you know, to, to find these other guys is something that, you know, it's just a, that extra spice on top, you know, something that st- uh, helps me stand out. So the reason why I didn't start directly with Arthur was because you and I are friends. Like we, we bonded really fast when we had the pre-interview chat. And it's like, I love talking to podcasters about podcasting. Everybody has a different kind of way of going about it. Um, so let's get into the Arthur of it all. I mean, you pretty much describe it in the first episode, but I kind of want to dig a little deeper. So what is your first, what is your first conscious memory of Arthur? Do you remember a favorite episode that you watched as a kid before you were on it? Um, I mean, I don't remember a time before knowing Arthur. I think if I have to Me think, too. yeah. <laughs> Well, I think right because we're 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 about the same age, I think, and so I think that makes sense. I I my earliest member what comes to mind when you ask me that is um in like elementary school or something we had um our teacher in English class had a little stuffed Arthur and a little stuffed D W, and um, every week it would be a different kid's turn to take home the Arthur or the D W doll, um, and like take care of them, quote unquote. 
Um, yeah, we did that too. Yeah, so with other, yeah, that's probably my earliest memory of uh, of Arthur and DW because I'm I'm imagining that that memory is probably from a couple years before I started working on the show. Yeah, because Arthur was this big cultural thing. I mean, there wasn't there was merchandise, but it wasn't like all over the stores. It was it was there, but it was it was there for the people that watched it, you know? It wasn't this big commercialized thing yet. Well, I mean, I think yeah, and, and, and the books too, right? I mean that's yeah. that's where it all comes from. I mean, um, there was this point in time where, like, when I was in first grade, my teacher saw that I really resonated with Arthur. And one of the projects that she gave me was to write my very own Arthur book. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, I'll have to send you um, a scan of it or something because it's really fun to read. But everybody has their own Arthur story. So when you got the part, you knew what you were getting yourself into. It's not like you were the first DW. Like it was already established and it was already a part of your life. So how do you come to terms with like, oh, I'm I'm voicing this character? I yeah <laughs> I think over time I think I, I need to try to come up with a better or more articulate answer to that question. But to be honest, yes, of course I knew the show and and I knew what I was getting myself into, but I wasn't really aware of, like I didn't really overthink it or think about it that much. I mean, you were 10. (laughs) Yeah, like I, for me, it was this really, I thought of it as this kind of after-school activity. It was, it was, I was really, for whatever reason, I was, um, I wasn't, like the best student I didn't feel super connected to you know what we were learning in school and I always got by so when I got the role cast on the show and all of a sudden I was like oh you're gonna be leaving school early like three times a week to go and record like that was the part I was most excited about wow I don't have to be in school this is great and um you know I just got to go in and record and it was just it was. I just saw it as this fun thing. Like some people play soccer, and I, the voice of DW. It was. It was. It was. I, that was at least the beginning of it all. And you know, when you first got there to record, you know, do you remember that day? Who we there? Like, tell me, thing, you know. So I don't. Rem- I. There were always more than one person. There was always one more than one person in the room. Um. Deborah Toffin, uh, like awesome casting and voice director, was she was uh, worked on the on the Arthur series from the very beginning and right up until the present day. Um, so she was there likely for I mean I don't really remember, but likely for every single episode I was there for, um, directing me and and sort of helping me with my performance and um, just being really generous and um, you know in terms of like helping me figure it all out because you know I was a kid right. And then I think there were probably like there was probably an audio engineer there and um, people like Greg Bailey, who I don't really remember, unfortunately, but I've seen his name. I know he was likely he was there, too. 
Um, so oh, pe- yeah. people like that, like the you know the names you see if you if you pay attention to the credits of Arthur, those people were there usually. It came into the point where there was this episode of Arthur early on where in the cold open, Buster's like, "Hit it, Greg!" Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Stuff so like that. Very, like, they're like they're like woven into the show too. Yeah, um, it's 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 cool. Like doing the 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 project that I'm working on, I've had the opportunity to speak to people, you know, behind the scenes, and it's really interesting to hear about how create how much creative freedom they had with mm. Arthur. Um, so I'm not surprised. I don't remember that specific moment you're you're t- you're referring to, but that, that it, was, it's not surprising. That was to hear. before, yeah. That was before you might have seen it but i don't know if you know this but a lot and i'm sure you heard this from you know a writer too a lot of the arthur writers came from doug yes from nickelodeon yeah i i i did hear that i think that's pretty funny and that's such a similar like slice of life adolescent sort of show like i can totally see that as far as how those two are similar um so when when you're starting when you're starting this role as the w are are you watching yourself are you checking it out the honest answer is no um, I really my, that's sort of where my relationship with Arthur as as a television show kind of ends. Um, it's only like more recently or, you know, I don't know, like um, maybe around like 18 or, or whatever is when I started going back and, and watching episodes that I was in. Um, not for any particular reason. I just, you know, it, it sort of like made it. This isn't a show. This is the activity that I do. Um, or something. I don't really know. Um, but I did. Um, I did one time. I remember because when I was cast, and I told people, eventually started asking me, you know, why are you leaving school so much? Are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And I would tell them, yeah, I'm leaving early because I'm the voice of DW on Arthur. You know, people didn't believe me, and uh, so I remember once for show and tell. Um, I brought in a, a VHS tape, which ages me, but that's what it, we did. Uh, I had a VHS tape of episodes that I was in, and I and I showed that to the class. So in moments like that, I would I would show people, and and then people got really excited, and it was cool to see my name in the credits and and whatever. And I'm sure you haven't been asked about this, but you know me, I I dig deep, so. Um, at the end of each show, DW has this spiel about going to the library and checking out the book. Remember, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I think I do. If you like Arthur, there are lots of Arthur books. You like other books too? I yes, yes, yes. Then. Yeah, thank you that's, for you saying that. Brings it back. Like I do. That's yeah. such a that's such an iconic. Thing. Mm-hmm. It's so subtle, but it, but it, you're a part of television history in such a small way, and I bet in such a 
small way probably to you, but you have to realize that the impact you've had on audiences around the world. Well, I, I thank you for saying that. I mean, I I don't really see it that way. I I I I think that I was very lucky to have played to have lended my voice to such a famous part in such a um, a show that I think is both entertaining and also educational and important. Um, but but yeah, I I would credit that more to the writers and to Mark Brown than than to myself. I mean, but the voice makes it like yeah. You don't have- yeah, I guess. I, but I but I have trouble seeing it that way. But I appreciate you saying that. I I think that Arthur is such a special show to me because it's so it's so story driven. Mm-hmm. There's not a break for a song. There's not a like, all right, everybody, let's do this. That kind of breaks it up. It's so story driven and it's you get so invested with these characters. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm uh I actually just last night because I'm preparing for another podcast that I'll be doing. Um where we were, we were going to maybe discuss it's music based so one of the suggestions we were going to maybe talk about was um maybe we were going to discuss the songs and um covers that um were done for Arthur for example um you know like the Jekyll Dr Jekyll and Hyde song that the brain does or um you know crazy bus or that was one of the first checks I ever had right exactly so you know these ones or you know um from the special that Arthur that we did with uh, the Backstreet Boys, um, you know, I love that. all those songs that that you know, basically, they. Th- I, I mean, it's you know, like there were some there's some musical component to Arthur, um, but I know what you mean. Like each episode is really, I, I think that the episodes are really inventive and creative, and um, and yeah, it was fun to talk to writers <sighs> like um, like Kathy Waugh and Peter Hirsch about. The writing process for Arthur, because again, it, it it's really I think it's really special that um, they had so much creative freedom on that show. I think it shows. I think uh, you know. I think you can see it when you watch the show. So, what is something you've learned from hearing these stories? Is there anything that would have that shocked you, like when hearing about the production side of things? This isn't what you were looking for, but like the thing that comes to mind is that there wasn't a writer's room, for instance. No, no, that 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 shocked me too. Yeah, or that, or that you know, um, that all the writers, you know, they would meet at the beginning of a season, but then, oh, here's something that's good. Um, <laughs> so Peter Hirsch was who I mentioned before was the head writer for the for the majority of Arthur. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. And um, yeah, and one of the things that and even before that, he was writing for the show. That's right. Yeah. And uh, one of the things he told me was that when he was looking to bring on new writers for the show, he would tell them, don't write like this is a kid's show. And um, he, mm. he wanted he wanted stories that were real or authentic that came from real life. And um, because they weren't trying to write stories that were watered down quote unquote for kids um so that's something i thought that was really cool to hear yeah that's really cool and 
he would, I mean, there's, I don't know the order, but there's an episode with Peter coming out either before or after this. And he talks with me about using classic literature, like yeah. King Lear and things like that. Like, yeah. Taking liberties like that is super inventive and it makes the kids later in life go, oh, I've heard this, but where? Yeah. Oh, I know it from Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's really cool when, uh, when TV shows do things like that. Like when cartoons, like for kids, do things like that. So while we're on that topic, what were some of your formative shows? Oh, um, oh boy. Um, these are not going to be in chronological order and they don't have to be, yeah, <laughs> I'll just do what, and, and, and I'm probably going to miss some, but I'll try my best to do myself justice. Um, the weekenders is one I reference a lot. Disney's the weekenders oh, yes. Um, yes. because I think that even as an adult, you can go back and watch that show and it's, it's, I think it's written very witty and, and very like, um, clever. There's a lot of puns. And um, I think that sort of was a good introduction for me at that time, at that age to, um, to comedy. Um, So I really, and comedy writing, like I really, you know, you notice the writing on that show. So that comes to mind. Um, I watched a lot of cartoons as a kid. Um, A lot of, you know, North anime that was popular in North America in the nineties and two thousands. So Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and Digimon um, Digimon in particular, I, I'll sometimes cite as I know some people think it's just a, a Pokemon clone, but I actually really like the narrative in that show, and I think that that sh- I I I think that sort of like I because I, I, I would often find myself having to explain why I like Digimon so much, and I think the thing that helps it stand out from Pokemon or other shows is just the narrative that it's that it's fun and again that the with the dub they're clearly having a lot of fun and so they they throw in jokes that i don't think were in the original um boy i don't know why don't you list some of yours and i'll, I'll see if we have any that align i mean well arthur arthur yeah <laughs> um, rugrats um yeah rugrats oh you've heard you've you heard that one right yes yeah that's yeah. that i listened to that episode i i think it's yeah rugrats is such a cool like it was a big show for me um, especially as a Jewish person, um, the uh, the holiday specials are so like Rugrats was one of the only shows I, that at least that I was aware of at that time that had you know, a Hanukkah, Hanukkah special and a Passover special. And to this day, I I I, off, I usually watch at least one of the two when those holidays come around every year. And I know recess was a big one for you too. What do you mean? The the show Recess. Yeah, I I like that show a lot. Um, yeah, because that show was created by the head writer Rugrat. So oh, so, that's why somehow I might have missed that. I don't I I don't think I knew that. That's really cool. Yeah, so that's why that sort of has a similar vibe to it. Do you know if the um if the show or the movie came first for Recess? the the show okay because i because i was actually introduced to the show from the movie from recess schools out that was my that, first introduction to that property really yeah that's cool yeah i i really um yeah so recess was cool i like that 
Um, I actually had a friend, like a good friend who's still a friend growing up who uh, in elementary, he probably won't appreciate this, but in early elementary school and high school, he used to look a lot like Mikey on recess. Um, He doesn't anymore. He's a lot more handsome than Mikey. No offense to Mikey. Um, What else? Um, I like the Transformers shows like Beast Wars and Beasties. I know that's the same show. Oh, yeah. Beast Machines. Um, uh, Oh, the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s and uh, the Ninja Turtles cartoon from... I don't remember when exactly, but that cartoon is really awesome. Um, there are multiple, but I'm assuming the 80s one. Yeah, the one where the, you know, with the theme song where it's like Teenage yeah, Mutant yeah. Ninja yep. Turtles. Yeah, that one. Uh, that, that's an interesting story because in the in the UK, they couldn't say ninja because it was too violent. So they said hero. Yes, turtles. they're Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. That's right. I've seen that on video game cartridges. Um. Yeah, I really like those. Jimmy Neutron. But yeah. Yeah. Well, hey Arnold. Yeah, we love- I could go on. Hey and Arnold on. was Hey Arnold was special too because there was a big deal of um representation yeah. on that show. Yeah, no, it's it was a really I think Hey Arnold was a really cool show in that like tonally it felt even as like as a kid, you you knew you were watching something that was different because it wasn't always like happy stories that like ended well for the characters like and we actually like kind of cool yeah like, the music was cool like they were cutting edge and like there were so many it was just kind of like it wasn't wall-to-wall lap she was just no what kid you're going through exactly yeah no that there's hey arnold's a really special one for sure and if I could tie it back to Arthur. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Like, there, there, are, there are a lot of like similarities between Hey Arnold and Arthur and all these all these kids shows because in the 90s, that's what the writing was. They were trying to relate to us on a much deeper level. It wasn't fluff. Yeah, I mean, I... I I do wonder though if if we feel strongly connected to these properties because we were kids at the time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like I watch things now and I'm like, why did I watch that? <laughs> I know what you mean, but I like I um for example, I still watch all the animated Disney and Pixar movies that come out. And like oh, yeah. I usually love them. Like What I- is your favorite? Of of all time, yeah, is Toy Story. I've seen that movie. The first one, yeah, I've seen yeah. that movie like three million times, and um, I can recite up to I don't know what, up until what point, but I used to recite the begin. I can do the like the movie pretty much verbatim because um, I really like that movie. And uh, if I put it on mute, you would be able to. Yeah, yeah, do it. I I had nice. like a Buzz and Woody doll like toys. That like you know, me too. With Woody, you pulled the string, and he would ha- and he would say sound bites from the movie. And I used to le- I used to cue up my Woody doll, and so that I could pull the string, and he would say the line that he <laughs> yes! was saying in the movie. <laughs> like I like it was really like I love Toy Story so so much. Um, but I just saw you know I just saw Luca, and I loved that. And she, oh, it's excellent. It's really, really great. The uh, I'll it, check it out. Yeah, in my opinion, I won't, without spoiling it, I don't love the ending, 
but uh but i love the world and i like the, the characters are really great and uh the story is good in my opinion when you have something such that deals with such serious topics you know how did you deal with voicing some of that stuff as a kid how were you directed in those moments because there were a lot of those i mean i again uh, this is not a cop out i i really if i voice dw in moments like that i don't it didn't impact me at all because i was just having fun and reading the lines and and being goofy and um i i definitely credit my performance to deborah who would often feed me the lines the way that she wanted me to read them oh they, yeah because there's a lot of that stuff in some of yours that i can think of what's something that comes I mean, to mind i there were even like there was this epic, even in bleep, like hearing DW so kind of disgusted that she said the word. It's like that. There's there's a way there's a way to tell, and it it sounds like a real kid being embarrassed about something. Yeah, I think. Are you talking about the end of the episode where she sits? Yeah, yeah. She sits Tommy and Timmy down, and she goes, "Yeah, guys, I think we have to talk about something." I I think that's a really funny and kind of heartfelt moment. I love Bleep. I it's like definitely my favorite episode I ever did. And it's not just because of the 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 cursing and the no. In large part, it is. I mean, I like. I think that there's there's, you know, many cartoons. Many children's shows have like that one episode where that, that the outlier episode or the one where you're like, how did they make that? Like, I know there's like a sponge. There is one in SpongeBob. Um, the bleep is the one I think for Arthur, but shows. So there's so the, definitely one in Rugrats too. Which is the one in Rugrats? Uh, it's an episode called Word of the Day. Okay. Um, Angelica is on this TV show. And she hears the host say, she hears the host say a word, and then she says it live on TV, <laughs> and then everybody starts like the host gets fired. It's a whole thing. Wow! Wow! Yeah. The so so no. It it is in large part it is because of how ridiculous uh, that episode is. Like I think it's so creative and ballsy of of the writers to um to have done it. I think, I don't know how to say the name correctly. I'm pretty sure it was written by Dietrich Smith, who I've never met or spoken to, but I want to. Yeah. he. I haven't met him, but Peter speaks so highly of him. Well, I'm um, happy to hear that because I think that, you know, it, it is really like such a creative and silly idea. Um, you know, in the episode, they, right at the beginning, they, they make a joke that, you know, when you hear a sensor bleep, in a, a show it's not ed- inserted in post um but it's it's someone sitting on set with a big red button that makes that beep it's so good it's a great bit um so stuff like i just think it's a really funny idea also like absolutely there are lessons you know uh in that episode uh language that our words matter that language is important having respect uh, in the way that you speak and in the way that you present yourself to to elders and to your peers. I mean, so the fact that it has all that and it's funny, uh, is it, it's great. <laughs> I'm super proud of it. And I'm so glad that 
that was one of yours because <laughs> I was like, that was something that I definitely want to talk to to someone in the trajectory of this podcast. I'm glad that you could be one of those people. Yeah, like you know that that episode has been like that was a big fo- for me. It was a focal point of um, the episode that just came out um, yesterday. Uh, because when I was looking for, I wanted to pull clips from that episode to use in an episode of my show. And, uh, I found this, uh, video made by a YouTuber named Scott Kramer where he's, Loved it. yeah. Have you seen that video? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really funny commentary where, you know, this, the story of it is he, as the host of his show is trying to figure out, um, well, he's talking. He's re- sort of doing a review and talking you through the episode and why he thinks it's it matters and why he thinks it's funny. But along the way, he's trying to find out what the swear word is that the kid that the characters are saying by reading their lips, and uh, and it's just a very funny video. And so I actually spoke to him for my podcast, and you know we had a great time talking about that and about why Arthur matters. It's a uh, it's a great episode that I'm I again like I'm very lucky that I was a part of it. And again, it is truly such a gift to have such a deep dive into Arthur. And I want to thank you for creating your podcast. (laughs) It's stuff that stuff pretty much stuff that I tried to create here. So if we could get more of it. The more of it, the better. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and um, I'm trying to be very careful not to. I I don't I don't wa- I don't know that I'm. It's not like I set out to do a Arthur deep dive retrospective thing, um, but inevitably, if I'm talking about one character from the show, that's gonna that stuff is gonna come up. Um, so, so my goal is just for it to be as entertaining as possible. Uh, but it has been fun and I'm, I'm glad that you've like people like you, uh, appreciate that part of it. Cause it's fun for me too. You know, I, I love learning about, um, you know, the writing process of the show and, uh, the, how the production came to be and how they made decisions like, you know, where did the theme song come from? How did the, you know, the collaborations, how did it get adapted from the books to the, to the, to the show in the first place? It's, it's, I find it really interesting. So I'm glad that others find it interesting too. So tell me a bit about your podcast process week to week. How do you go about doing it? Tell me your process. Oh boy. <laughs> um, okay. So each episode takes me about 20 hours to do. Um, basically what I'll do is I'm trying to, so, so I do a bunch of interviews ahead of t- like I try to do a bunch of interviews ahead of time, or basically when you hear it, when you hear an episode, chances are that interview has was done, uh, probably at least two, three weeks ago. So I'll do the yeah. interviews. Um, you bank them. Yeah, bank em. it's it's um, but I'm trying also to be as authentic as possible. So I present the the interviews at, to the best of my ability. I'm presenting them in the order that I get the that I speak to the people, or in the order that I think is most appropriate for the narrative that I want to tell. So I'll you so I'll usually pick two interviews that are about between forty minutes and an hour long each. 
and I'll listen to the two interviews and I try to pick ones where there's some overlap. Maybe it could be something small, but something where they they do talk about either a similar theme or something. And then I write, like I script out the story I want to tell and I and I use I try I I use clips from the interviews that I that I've conducted to help me tell that story. Um so that's the process really. I don't think it's more like I'd love to get more granular about it, but like I don't know if I can. Um cuz I try to allow myself as much creative room to just to write what I want to write and tell the story I want to tell. And so I try not to have rules or I try, you know, like I, I just sort of allow my, I'm like, okay, for the next three hours, all I'm going to do is just write, try to, you know, piece together some interview stuff and write 10 minutes of this episode. And then when, when the script is done, I'll, I'll record those narrative pieces. If anyone's listened to that, to my podcast, like you'll understand if you've, if you've listened to it. So I record all the narrative pieces and then I cut out the parts of the interviews that I want to use and insert those in so that it's this one long podcast episode. You're, you're basically creating like an oral history. I don't know if that's true. What do you mean? Because you're connecting what you want. You're, you're connecting the story you want to tell and connecting the related pieces that fit. And it all comes together in the seamless way. Well, they can even, they can not, even feel scripted. Well, thanks. That's very nice of you to say. Um, I actually, I don't, I, I definitely push up on calling it seamless because I, I don't think that's true. Uh, but I, but I try my best not to be a perfectionist about it. So I don't mind if there's seams. I, I want it to feel human, and and I want it to feel um, approachable. You know, one of the best compliments I've I've received I've received two compliments that really stood out about it, and one was that it sounded like a like it wasn't like a podcast; it was like you're listening to a novel. And another person said, "It's like we're there listening to your thoughts, like I'm telling this story, and that's and th- and that's what I want." You know, I, I I just want it to be approachable. Um, in terms of an oral history, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm I'm just. I sometimes say I'm trying to tell like the story I'm trying to tell is like I'm trying to do an autobiography sort of um, because I want, you know, like the story, the, the podcast is me, is my story. It's from my perspective, you know, uh, finding that the, the, even the title Finding DW comes from the idea that, yes, I'm trying to find the other DWs, but I'm also as, you know, cheesy as it sounds, I'm I'm trying to find myself, too, and and for a long time and and still to this day, I mean, I'm trying to uh, unparcel and, and unpack how DW fits into the identity of myself as an adult. So I don't know if it's an oral history is my point, but I appreciate you calling. It sounds very important when you say it. So thank you. Well, yes. I mean, you're gathering these people that are so like aside from my nerds people don't know who peter hershey people don't know who deb top is they don't know but you're shining a light well they should they should i think that like when we celebrate act look like i i do this too like i celebrate actors and i idolize actors and i don't want to diminish their part in 
in um you know the part they play pun intended to in in the tv shows and movies that we love but like the writers and producers also and the directors and all the people behind the scenes really um play such an important role too especially the writing because when you you know when when a character says something and you're like oh that's a memorable line that stays with you like uh, it's it's often a writer that wrote that and so for me that's why it's so exciting for me to um to speak to people like peter hirsch because the reason we you know these these a lot of these stories come from people like that and so i i for me i just find it fascinating to hear from them like what their process was and how they came up with their ideas so how do you feel about meme culture and being at the center of it? Not you necessarily, but like DW being this this side character on the internet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I um I think it's cool. Like I <laughs> yeah. you know, like I I um again like the the most honest answer I can give is I for a long time, I, I didn't want to use uh, the fact that I was DW to be what drew people to some creative project that I was working on. So that's why it's taken me until now to make something like this, because um, I wanted people to get excited about who I am today and not that I was DW. And, and, and my hope is that I can use this story to draw people in because, you know, that buzzy thing of the DW guy is that one of the people who voiced DW is searching for the other guys. It's always been voiced by guys. I hope people like that's the hook that brings people in and that, but they'll stick around hopefully because of myself and, and because they like me as a host and, and my writing and my producing and all that stuff. Um, so, but before, you know, it's taken me a long time to come to a place where I'm proud of, and I am proud that I was DW. So, you know, there used to be a time where, you know, I'd be in high school and someone shares a DW meme and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way or something. Mm. I, I'm being kind of like, because I was trying actively to create an identity that was separate from that. And so it almost felt like, oh, but like, you don't see me for, you know, the the teenager or the preteen or the 20 year old that I am today. You know, you you still only see me as, that guy that played DW, and when I when I know that I'm so much more than that, um, but so so the meme culture thing, I I know this, like when you when you talk about that, like that's that's my honest truth that sometimes it would rub me the wrong way for those reasons, um, but nowadays I'm super proud of it. I think it's awesome. A lot of the memes make me laugh. Uh, I think it's really cool that I was part of a show that people use like it's it's like a meme like a a meme farm if that's a term or like people get a lot of memes from arthur and i think it's cool that i was part of a show like that i mean i i I love a good dw meme i love a good arthur meme for a while arthur wasn't in the culture it was just something that people watched as a kid I always called, uh, I, like, even when I was too old for it, I would check in with it once a season just to see how it was going. <laughs> just because, <laughs> how, you know, how's Elwood City doing? You guys good? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's just 
<laughs> That's a big part of my life. You guys still going to the library? Anyone need some water? No? All right, cool. Okay. I'm out. I'm out now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but it was such a big part of my life that, you know, once other people started caring about it in this deeper way, it made me want to find people and talk about it and discuss it because yeah. it's so it's such a special show for lots of us and when it does finally end it's gonna be really weird <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's always been here yeah for us it has right i mean i um i so in the during this process i i was able to sp- i spoke to kathy Waugh who was um, one of the first people brought on to help develop Arthur from the book series. And to this day, she's a you know creative producer and she's a head writer and creator of other shows. Um, she's currently, at, at least one of the shows she's working on is uh, Molly of Denali. And I um, love that. has got a lot of Arthur people on it. Oh, that's is that true? I didn't know that. Peter, Peter's writing on it. Oh, that's very cool. It, yeah. Well, in any case, she, she told me about, and that she wrote some of, the following uh, um, that uh, they're using PBS is using or was using Arthur characters to do spots and uh, you know, PSAs for like COVID stuff and election stuff when that was going on. Um, So that's the thing about the Arthur characters. You know, you you mentioned like, Oh, it'll be sad when it's done. And I agree, but I think that, you know, the characters are so great and so universal that, you know, they, they felt they could use them for those for, you know, to, to spread, important messages like that um like listening to a buster sing a song about washing your hands was it's very surreal that. yeah it's very um it's very like comforting like <laughs> just, to, just to hear a familiar voice yeah um, like, don't worry just wash your hands we'll be fine but one of my favorite episodes that you were involved in because there was a lot going on in it was Elwood Kitty turns 100. Okay. Why did that episode stand out for you? Because it felt, it was basically, there were like four plots within the whole episode. It was like the school play and, you know, Frankie getting to the school play and DW trying to be quiet during the production. And (laughs) it was this whole There were there were layers upon layers upon layers that it was it was a lot for like thirty minutes or whatever it was. So they could push the envelope sometimes. And that's what I love about Arthur so much. He said they never played a cave. Yeah, yeah. They really were always pushing pushing the envelope. Um I uh, I just looked it up and because I thought, well, it would be great if that episode is the 100th episode of Arthur. And according to the Arthur wiki, which I trust, um, it is. So I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's literally one of my favorite moments. It's, it's so good. <laughs> I've got to rewatch that episode. Oh, my goodness. Larry King's apparently uh, did. A cam- oh, yeah. Larry King did an, a cameo in it. And, yep. Uh, and you and. Theodore Roosevelt. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Henry Ford. He's Mr. Be. Rogers. Is Mr. Rogers in it? 
Yeah, and Art Garfunkel. Like, like and Alex Trebek. It's such like a a mishmash of stars. And- yeah, there you're right. Here's Fred Rogers. No, it's it's really cool. Like, I think that um again through my podcast, like I you know, it might sound silly to to some of your audience or to you, but I didn't realize how the I didn't know about the relationship between Fred Rogers and Mark Brown. No, I just recently learned that too. I think it's so cool. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. <laughs> like I to think that like you know Mr. Rogers is like this icon and was talking about, you know, the importance of mental health in children in the 70s, which is already crazy like wild that that was I'm assuming you've seen the documentary. I haven't seen the documentary. I've only seen clips and I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm being a bad guest on your podcast, but I haven't oh, seen it. Oh, oh, don't worry. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and the fact you that should. I, I really, I, I know I should, um, but, but what I was going to say is the, um, the fact that someone like that was like a mentor figure to Mark Brown, who then created Arthur that then I was a part of Arthur is just such a fun, wild thing that like, I can't even wrap my head around. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's so fun to think that. Can like, we talk? Yeah. Can we talk about meeting Mark Brown? Sure. Um, kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, so I only met Mark Brown one time, and uh, it was when I was, I think it was early on in the process, because um, I, I think it was 2002 when I met him. So when I met, when I got cast as DW, um, I, uh, and I'm, if I'm getting the timeline wrong, I apologize, but I'm, I'm just trying to tell hey, it to the best memory. of my memory, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, but basically, so so essentially... When I got cast as DW, um, a lot of the episodes were so the way that they record normally. Um, I don't know if they still do it this way, but the way that they record most ep- episodes at the time is they would record all the voices before doing any of the animation, and so they mm-hmm. had all the voice work done, and then they would send it to whoever, probably du- someone at WGBH, um, and they would you know, do the actual cartoon bit and sync up the lips of all the characters to the performances. But when I was cast as DW, a lot of the episodes were already animated. So I went in and did something called dubbing, uh, which is where you go into a studio and uh, like a recording studio and they show an episode on a big screen in front of you. So I'm looking at it and there's like a little timer thing and then, you know, when I'm queued up and they say, okay, action or, or now's the time to start recording, I then have to make my performance match up with DW's lips that are already be hard. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. I, the whole, voice acting is the best. Like, it's so much fun. Um, at least I think so. So um, it was in that context that I remember meeting Mark Brown, um, like going into an, a, um, a studio and he was there. And um, so so basically, if I'm remembering it correctly, that happened or I was in a similar environment and walked into a room and there Mark Brown was. In any case, I met Mark Brown and I asked him to sign a script and I still have that script. And um, and it's a very it's very special. And, um, you know, you found me, I think, because of the um, the art, the article in the Toronto Star that was trending on the Internet. And so in that article the picture that they used of me i'm 
I'm looking at a small DW toy holding up a microphone and my hand is on that script. And you can sort of see Mark Brown's uh, signature on that script. So that was so, that was meeting Mark Brown. He's he was super supportive and nice. Circle, it's such a full circle thing. Like you're watching this as a kid and you're on it and you're meeting the creatives. It's, it's cool. I think it must have been like, like, what is that? <laughs> how does he feel about it you know these ideas these characters are all like in his brain and um and now he's meeting these strangers and these children in my case who are you know playing the voices of these characters that he created i think if i were hit like i don't know if i would be prepared for something like that because when i you know i like to write and when i write stuff i usually do it with the, knowing that probably no one will ever read it let alone perform it so i can't even imagine how i would feel if i created a character and then it's like oh here's this 10 year old and he's doing the voice of this character you know yeah i mean i think like mark brown did such a crazy thing at the time because this was before i mean there were things like little bear were books were adapted into television shows, but they speak like the first one for just families, I feel. Yeah. Um, talking to, uh, when I was talking to Deborah, like she placed an emphasis on that, uh, Deborah Toffin, um, she placed an emphasis on, on how the show was like that it was, that the show was really focused on that, on, mm-hmm. um, on being like a family show for for families and for younger viewers and all that, um, yeah, no, it's it's it is really special. Yeah, so I'm not gonna ask you to do the voice because obviously puberty happened and. But if you listen to happened. my if you listen to my podcast, I do attempt it at least. I attempt it at least twice that I can think of. So, what is your favorite DW line that you said? <laughs> When you say that, what comes to mind is is a is a story that that I think is kind of fun that I, I would like to hear if I was a if I was listening to this. Um, so I don't I don't have a line, but um, a lot of people would come up to me and ask me to do the voice at the time, and still to this day they they do sometimes. But it was a lot when I was DW, you know. And so I would I had a go to line in my back pocket that I would say to in the DW voice. So that they would leave me alone. And that was, uh, why does Arthur get to do everything and I don't? And I don't know if DW ever says that. <laughs> but my friends know that line. Like my close friends. And would often kind of tease me about that. Uh, in the way that friends do. Uh, that that why, why do you always do that line? And it's because, I, I don't know. I'm, you, you know, you don't. The uh, the level of excitement and enthusiasm of like a crowd of, you know, when I was in high school or ju- the junior high equivalent and, you know, people in, in grade 11 or, you know, so so we're talking about I'm 12 and it's like 16 year olds coming up to me being like, do the voice, do the voice. And and I, I it, it, it was like paralyzing. So I had to have a line ready to go. Yeah. 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 And uh, I've spoken to a few, like, so I've spoken to a few of the other DW actors at this point. And uh, um, Robert Naylor, who was the DW after me, um, we had a similar experience. We talked about having a line ready to go. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, like, DW, 
there was there was this you have to hear this. There was this there was this album that came out like probably a year before you started. And she covers this 80s rock song. She does Brass in Pocket by the Pretenders. It is actually beautiful. Wait, DW does? Yes! What? <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> but like, there's so many weird DW things that have happened. Like, weird, weird dialogue and weird moments. But it's just so like, you just fall in love with that character even if you don't want to like wow this is very cool i wonder who 2001 so was that season six so i think that was oliver granger i can't imagine that's the perfect one of us to have sang that song (laughs) (laughs) yeah oliver is awesome I've I've spoken. He's the second guy to play DW. He's a very. I, will, I mean, everyone has been so nice so far, but Oliver's great. So, is there anything? So, if you were to give a quick elevator pitch, sure, about your podcast, sure. What would you say? So, um, uh, so I would say let's. Okay, so we're getting into the elevator in three, two, one. Hi, my name is Jason Schwimmer, and I was the voice of DW from season 7 to 10 of the popular kids' show, Arthur. I recently found out that the little sister character has only been voiced by male voice actors, so I'm on a mission to track down and find those other guys in my podcast, Finding DW. And that. There we go. Yeah. That's some good stuff right there. So... The one thing that I want to ask you, I don't want this to be a gush fest. Trust me, it's not. But something that stuck out with me when we first talked is that you were a genuine fan of our podcast after listening to only one episode. I always like Noah. I always like knowing because this episode is coming out like a, a week or so after our 11th anniversary of our show. Which wow. Is cr- crazy. Congratulations. That's wild. So I just want to know mm-hmm. why this podcast, you know, you could have, you, you probably gotten inundated with requests now, but like what stuck out to you? I'm curious. Um, well, I, I mean, like the same reason that your audience likes this show. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, my favorite genre is just interview shows in general. Um, like I love listening to interviews all the time. And I think that it's really, it, it, it's always, you know, there's a lot of people doing interview shows and oftentimes, you know, not to be negative, but. Sometimes I'll watch a show and it's hosted by a celebrity and the I don't find that they're a great interviewer, but because they're a celebrity, they have this audience and so the show is successful. And look, no knock on that. I would do that. In a way, I'm kind of doing that because I was DW on Arthur. Uh, so, so, you know, and I hope I have the chops to, to back it up that I can host a show um, in addition to having played this part. I think what's so cool about your show is just 
is just that, that you are a fantastic host. And I, I think your your questions are usually very insightful. And um, even from only listening to, to one episode, I felt that way. And I, and the reason why I connected with you so well enough to do this is because we are both pop culture nerds. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, look, like I, we only get one life and life is very short and, um, you know, everything is hard. Uh, no matter what job you end up doing, what your career is, uh, everyone's got their struggles and, and even something as fun as doing a podcast, um, is going to have days where you're, you know, you're like, Oh, I can't believe I have to do blah. Like there's going to be parts of it that are still, you know, it's a job. So there's going to be parts of it that are not the most fun thing, but like, why wouldn't, for me and, and I think for you too it's like why wouldn't you use your time to pursue something that you're passionate about you know that so that you can be the best happiest version of yourself for me like that's that's doing podcasts that's me doing this podcast and I'm you know my post covid thing is like I'm trying to be more present and uh, not always thinking about what's going to happen you know I have no 5 year plan I'm just going to make this podcast to the best of my ability and we'll see what happens. So I feel like, I feel yeah. like we all have, we all have this, this, we always try to make a calendar in our head. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do the, 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 the next week? What am I going to do? But just chill. Yeah. You know, I think, and I, I look, I think that's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work and I'm not saying that I, you know, I'll speak for myself. Like, I, I'm not saying I'm this, like, I, I don't have the answers, you know, I'm, I, I'm just doing the best I can all the time. Even with my podcast, yeah. I was just talking about it with a, with a coworker from my J, my day job. Like I have, I don't know if what I'm doing is right at all. I'm just doing the best I can. I love it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I hear so many other podcasts and there's a there's a narrative and there's a through line and there's a story and that's what I try to create too I try to be the vessel for someone to share their creative stories or their personal stories and just be a place for them and you're the platform for these people too yeah. And, and look, like, I mean, as one of those creators, like I, I have to say, like, I'm so flattered and, and really grateful that you were interested enough in what I was doing to reach out to me like a second after my second episode came out. You know, you were the first person to reach out to me after that. And uh, I thought it was the coolest that, you know, because you can tell when you look at your back catalog, it's like, holy crap, like Bob's been going for like forever. And you've gotten so many cool people on your show. And uh, yeah, so the fact that somebody like you is interested at all uh, is very special and not something I take for granted. And that being said, like you and I, you and I are bugs now. We share ideas and we share, pod, we share what's going on on our podcast. Like, like I told you early on. Us podcasters have to stick together. You know, there's I in my experience, not everyone feels that way. So I, I got to say, I think that's pretty special on your part. Um, you know, to be like a lot of the time, like I feel like you know, 
our our creative ideas and our and our connections are really like very important in this industry. So I, I think it's really special that you're so generous. Um, I try to be too. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I really have that many connections, but I've gotten very lucky with um, with people that are close to me and people that have been generous. Um, but it hasn't always been that way, and and I don't think everyone's like that. So I think I think it's really cool that you're like that. Because here's my thinking: if you have a group of people, if you have one or two people that can help you or guide you creatively. Or even just to swap ideas or stories. That makes you a better person. Because otherwise, you're going to keep hearing those inner voices in your head. Like, should I do it? Should I not? But then when you ask somebody who's done it, then you could bounce ideas off. So I really try to cultivate a group of podcasters that I go to. And swap ideas and swap stories. Not copying by any stretch. But just to be able to hear that is make me a better podcaster, I think. I complete I, I feel the exact same way. Um I'm always looking at people and trying to get advice and um trying to learn from others who have done what I'm trying to do or something similar. I think it's important, you know, like I there's no sense in pretending to know everything or trying to be the person like I'm not the smartest person in the room. I like um, I like asking people for advice. It's I, it's always helpful, especially when you're trying to come up with ideas. Yeah. Now, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions to end this off here. Let's do it. A little bit of fun questions. Um, what was the first movie that you saw in the movie theater? Lion King. That's a, that's a pretty solid one. <laughs> Do you remember much about it? I mean, no, that it's it's that and Toy Story. Um, but I but I think Lion King was my first one. It's so funny. I was watching um, Lion King one and a half last night. Oh yeah, because a lot of people don't talk about that direct to video one. I think that one is just as good as the first one. <laughs> Well, it's those it's characters, so, right? I mean, it's those characters we love. It's just so funny. So, and now I know what you're going to say. I didn't prepare for this, but hear me out. Oh, boy. If you, as a creative person, a writer yourself, were to write a story for Arthur... What would you want DW to get into? Um, maybe it's like something where, um, so the character, so it's it's Arthur, but okay, so so I think I would, I would this the show is exactly the same, but everyone has cell phones now, so it's the same show, same characters, they're all the same age, but it's twenty twenty one, um, so maybe the all the characters are glued to their phones and doing social media and stuff like that, and so maybe there's an A plot. Or there's there's a B plot where um, Arthur um, maybe gets cyberbullied or some or is is worried about a post he made not getting enough likes or something like that, and DW is trying to figure out what is going on, and she thinks that everyone's like becoming zombies or something. And the other side plot is Muffy's dad is doing Bitcoin or something. Like- right, right, and that's the C plot exactly. 
And maybe maybe DW needs to team up with Muffy's dad for some reason. Because I love the episodes where DW teams up with someone. Like DW and Binky te- teaming up, I think it happens at least twice that I can think of. And th- those episodes are always so funny. I mean, I love... I love... That I love just I love DW interacting with people aside from the immediate family. Yeah, like Binky's like Arthur's sister. Like, what's your deal? And she's just like, I like ponies. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, she's such a different person. I love it. So, here is a couple more questions, and I've got one more deep philosophical one to close us off. Love it. So, here's another thing. So, the Sugar Bowl. Okay. Is it a well-known establishment in the Arthur universe? What would be your ideal ice cream flavor that you would want to eat there? Um, I am a very adventurous eater. I love trying new things. However, there is one food where I usually get the same thing and it's ice cream. So I, I, I will judge a ice cream shop or whatever based on how good their chocolate ice cream is because that's my favorite. So I'm going to go with chocolate just, ice cream. Just chocolate, nothing else? Like just No, I don't, I don't want to get too fancy with it. You know, if it's double chocolate, I'll get that. But no, I, I really like chocolate ice cream or chocolate gelato. Yeah. Mike you're not drop. feeling the. You're not feeling the chocolate chip. Not even chocolate chip. Dough. No, it's it that that feels too too fancy for me. Well, I I respect that. <laughs> I would I would do like a chocolate chip cookie dough kind of deal. Oh man, I yeah. You know what? I get it. I understand. It's good, but for me, it's just the flavor I want. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> um. So. Um, to wrap it up, you might want to just choke this one in. All right. What does Arthur mean to you? <laughs> oh my goodness. What does Arthur mean to me? I am saying this to stall while I organize my thoughts. Um, this, maybe this isn't a good answer, but. I I just come back to feeling so lucky that I was on Arthur. You know, I think that um it really was such a special fun cool thing and um and again, I'm still trying to figure out my, you know, how having played DW fits into my identity as the person I am now with my own, you know, with my goals and aspirations that um are not necessarily like in the realm of children's cartoons although it would be cool to work in that space again so i think yeah like just the the opportunities it's given me and um the experiences i've had through arthur i just feel very lucky so so that definitely comes to mind um especially because you know arthur's popular not only because it's a good show but or a funny fun entertaining show but because it's it's got heart and it's got lessons to teach and um, I think that's really special too. And that is a perfect answer to wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks. So, 
thank you so much for joining us. And if you don't mind, um, promote yourself. Where can people check out this podcast and follow you and all that stuff? Well, first, just before I do that, I, I in case it wasn't super obvious, I just want to thank you again for having me on. It's it it is really not something that I take for granted. The fact that you were you felt like I was interesting enough to talk to, and that you like what I'm doing means the world. And uh, I I feel very lucky and honored to have been on the show. So thank you, first of all. Um, you got it. <laughs> And second of all, uh, you can find me on... So Finding DW is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you need help finding it, um, go to Instagram and search my name, Jason Schwimmer. And we'll have all the links in the show notes and all that stuff as well. Perfect. Uh, Schwimmer is spelled S-Z-W-I-M as in Motown, as in Mario, as in makeup, E-R. Um, and you can see, you know, behind the scenes stuff or pictures of me freaking out whenever something cool happens, which I've posted once or twice, things like that. Um, but yeah, so please come check me out over there. And, uh, if you, uh, feel so inclined to support what I'm doing, please check out my Patreon uh, and you can do that by, uh, going to Patreon and searching finding DW. Well, this has been such a joy. And we'll definitely talk soon. I want to have you back on to talk about some other fun pop culture stuff if you're up for it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Please. Um, you know, I'm having a this is this is like the so this is the second podcast that isn't my own that I've done um, to promote my to promote Finding DW. And uh, and it was super fun. I'd, I'd love to come back. So thanks again. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture past and present.